You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Nice little turkey getting its bath at 7.30. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today we're going to keep it uh, kind of light, I guess. I don't know. Just grabbed a couple questions and uh, leave it at that. I don't know what, what it's going to be in terms of time. This thing is cracking. What the heck? Dude, that's not good. My giant mugs are falling apart here. Put in some hot coffee and it just split this thing. Well, anyways, I do it every morning. I wouldn't have thought, I don't know, whatever. But I do want to uh, remind you of one thing really quick. We are still doing, um, Coach Hahn has got a five-part series this week. Three of them now are posted. The other episode will be going live at 10 o'clock today. I don't know what your plans are. I usually do them five in the afternoon central time, but 10 o'clock central today because of Thanksgiving. I wanted to get it out uh, before football starts, before Thanksgiving and all that. Um, For those of you that are not uh, in America, don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Allow me to encourage you to participate. It's pretty simple. Grab some food and eat it. That's about it. You're you're, you're all caught up with our holidays. And despite the popular uh, sentiment that goes around, we're not actually celebrating genocide. I know that's a a common misconception, just like Halloween is not children dressing up as princesses celebrating the devil. It's not exactly exactly what we're doing. Um, Maybe some people are. I don't know. I've never heard that come up at the, uh, the dinner table on Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for my family. Uncle Roger, what are you thankful for? Genocide. That's It hasn't come up at my family. I don't know. Different strokes for different folks, I guess. But should be a grand old time. See, now, because this is how my brain works, I'm trying to think, like, other countries, if they were to do a Thanksgiving, what would it look like? In other words, pick a country and then think of substitutes for each of the foods that we like. Not that it can't be the same in some places, but like, what would the Chinese equivalent of turkey... Stuffing mashed potatoes and pumpkin pie be. I don't know. Fortunately, I have a five-day weekend to think it over. Because not only am I taking off Friday, but Monday is simultaneously the day after a late game, which I've already decided late games I'm taking the next day off because I can't stay up until midnight and then get up at 3 and do a podcast. Also just so happens to be my birthday. So there you go. Probably have to go to the DMV, so that'll be great. But anyways, yeah, Coach Hahn, uh, 10 o'clock today on Pack Daddy NFL, the YouTube channel, or the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. Both of them are scheduled to go live at 10 o'clock. Why don't we start with the injuries? Because that's a great way to start off the holidays. really wanted today to be positive, but I, I can't not do injuries. And then I was really digging around for something that I just, I wanted to do some fun exercises for myself. Because I haven't done like just a fun, like research assignment for myself. So I did like two of them. I did did two yesterday. I loved both of them. One of them got uploaded to Patreon, so if you're on Patreon, you already know some of the answers. But um, kind of uh, kind of didn't turn out as great as I hoped. <laughs> it's depressing. That's all right. It's just, again, it's just for fun. It's not uh, nothing too serious. So as usual, this is basically half the team is on the injury report, although most of these guys are going to be okay. Uh, Billy Wynn was on. He is full participation. Kamal Martin, neck injury, full participation. Darius Shepard is actually full participation, which, good thing for that, you know. I'm sorry, is that mean? I won't be mean. Vernon Scott, full participation, good thing. 
Christian Kirksey with a quad injury was full participant. So less concerned about those guys. Some of the limiteds, you got uh, Devontae, which was really scary to see that he didn't play. I was not expecting that, but I guess, you know, he's just battling through stuff. It might be that way for a while. Unfortunately, it's an ankle, ankle injury, which when you're Devontae Adams, that's one of the worst injuries I think you could have. Is something to do with feet, toes, ankles, legs, knees. Got to be able to, got to be able to cut, man. But he was limited, so he's not completely out. Jair was limited with that hand knee situation he played last week. He should be playing again unless he made it worse. Tyler Irvin was limited, which I guess is an improvement. I mean, he might be making his way back. Uh, Kadar Holman was limited with a quadricep injury. Alan Lazard with his core injury. Mercedes Lewis with a knee injury. Corey Lindsley limited, which I guess is better news than nothing. Would love to be able to get him back, especially for this Bears game. We're going to need our offensive line in full strength. But he has a back injury. Um, Lucas Patrick with a toe injury was limited. Will Redmond, it's a long list, man. I'm sorry, I'm just reading it. Will Redmond with a shoulder slash elbow injury was limited. J.K. Scott was limited. Why did I say J.K. Scott? when I was going through folds, because I'm stupid, that's why. Equinemius, limited with a knee injury. Chandon Sullivan, limited with a rib injury. Robert Tanyan, limited with an ankle injury. Then we get to the people that did not participate in practice. Josh Jackson has a concussion. James Burgess has a hamstring injury. And Montravius Adams with a toe injury. So far, that's not the worst situation ever. Obviously the big question marks, Devontae hoping he's good to go, Jair hoping he's good to go. It would be nice to get Swerve and Irvin back. I'm not going to say it's like the most important thing, but I think against a Bears defense where the only way we lose this game is if they do what every other team does, get us out of our rhythm, cause us to collapse in on ourselves. A different sort of dynamic weapon like Irvin might kind of help break the uh, the stagnation a little bit, so that would be kind of nice. Um, Alan Lazard is going to be a big one. Corey Lindsley, I think, is pretty big. Kamal Martin, at this point, I think is pretty big. You could say Christian Kirksey. I don't want to downplay that. He just, he really has not been grading out all that well, although Mike Patton really likes him for whatever that's worth. Uh, JK, obviously, would be important. And then probably Tanyan, although he, outside of his one big game, I don't know that it's all that impactful. On the Bears side, not as many names, however, a few more uh, people not participating. For example, Mr. Nick Foles is, uh, has a hip injury, did not participate. Jimmy Graham uh, was, I believe, veteran rest, just as not injury-related, but he did not practice. Uh, the real big one that when I did my Bears interviews uh, that guys seemed to be concerned with was the fact that Akeem Hicks is actually not pre- uh, practicing. He's a questionable guy for the game with a hamstring injury. And then Danny Trevathan, the linebacker, who is... Uh, I've always said somewhat overrated in terms of perception of him compared to his PFF grade, but uh, there's, there's, I just think Danny and Roquan, despite their grades, are really just a part of this system in Chicago. I've mentioned before how the the way that I make up for units like defenses that don't put up, give up a lot of points, but don't also have a lot of elite players, is that they work really well as a unit, that they're very disciplined. And so Danny Trevathan, maybe on an island, if you're watching him on a play-to-play basis, doesn't necessarily drop your jaw. He's just a perfect fit for what they do. He just does his job. And so I do think losing him might be somewhat impactful. Um, Another interesting note, Mitch Trubisky has also hurt. His right shoulder is hurt. He was a full participant, but that's not a small thing when uh, this is the guy that you pulled because he was so bad. He's coming back 
to fill in for the other really bad quarterback and has a right shoulder injury. There's a couple other guys that are full or limited, but I'm, I feel like this is boring enough, so I'm not going to go ahead and list those guys off unless and until it becomes more serious later on in the week. Okay, now on to the fun stuff. There were two different little things that I did. Let's start with this one, I guess. It's the older question, and I'm sorry I forgot to put the name down because I'm a big dum-dum. But uh, the question was, says another podcast question, which game this season has had the most of our players playing at a high level? So one of the benefits of kind of somewhat vague questions is when it's not super specific, it kind of annoys me at first because I don't know what to do, and then I just do way more than is being asked of me, and that's what I needed in that moment. So what I did is I kind of broke down this... uh, This isn't going to work. I need this to be an Excel sheet. I went week by week, so weeks 1 through 11, and I said how many people graded in each category. Not each specific grade, but for example, 0 to to 9, 10 to 19, 20 to 29, in each of these categories. How many for each? So I did that. Because the the question is how many... What is the wording of it? It says high level. Well, high level could be, you know, 70s or above, 80s or above, could be elite, like 90s. I don't know exactly what it means. So again, I just started with this from the base, and then I said, I kind of grouped them together. And I said, how many people played at a putrid level? So I just said from 0 to 40, technically 0 to 49. How many players were bad on a given week, which would just be 0 through 59. Then I had good, 70 through 99. And then very good 80 through 99, and I don't need to do elite because that's its own category, right? Because I've got the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, blah, blah, blah. I also decided, because I can, to average each. So on average, how many players play at this level? So, for example, on average, there have been zero people that have graded in the single digits, which is great because I have seen that, and it's horrifying. There's actually been zero people from 10 to 19, which is also fantastic. We average 0.7 times per game. One player is in the 20. We've never had more than one, but we've also only not had anyone in the 20s three times this year. Week one against the Vikings, week seven against the Texans, week 11 against the Colts. There were nobody in the 20s. Every other week, there's been one guy. Grading in the 30s, on average, is 1.6 players. Only two weeks, we had zero players in the 30s. Twice, we had three players. That was against the Bucks and the Falcons. Big shocker on the Bucks there. Grading in the 40s is around four times per week. Uh, Week 8 against the Vikings, which I think might have been our worst week ever. We'll get to that. There were eight people that graded in the 40s that week. Average is four. In the 50s, on average, we have 10.3 players per week. That's a lot. That's below average. And it's pretty consistent. 10, 10, 12, 12, 11, 6 against the Texans. Great game. 10, 16 against the 49ers, and then 9, 7. Average as you would expect, is the highest because it's average. It's, you know, what people usually do. Average about 12 per game, and that's also very consistent. 9, 11, 9, 14, 15, 12, 12, 12, 12, 13. Now you get up into the good stuff. The 70s. On average, 6.7 people play well, play good on a given week. The best we've ever had in this category was week 7 against the Texans. 12 players graded out at uh, 70. In the 70s, the next highest was week 11 against the Colts and week 1 against the Vikings. In the 80s, on average, there's only three. The most in the 80s was week 2 against the Lions. There were six players that were in the 80s. And then in the 90s, a little less than 1.8 per game. 
the best was week nine against the 49ers. There were three players. So if nothing else, it's a great reference sheet for myself as I go through PFF and look at it. If there's, you know, five players that grade out as, you know, in the 80s, that's an above average game. But then if we look at it and we say how many, if we look at, for example, the putrid games, typically there are 6.2 players in the putrid category on a given week. The, The absolute worst game, as I said, was against the Minnesota Vikings. There were 11 players that graded out as what I like to call putrid. Those players were as follows. Mercedes Lewis, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Vernon Scott, Will Redmond, Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage, Chris Barnes, Dean Lowry, Henry Black, Chandon Sullivan, and Kingsley Kiki. Not to necessarily single anybody out or anything, but it is. it just adds a little bit of extra oomph to it when you have a terrible game and you can kind of break it down this way and see why it was so bad because you had so many people play terrible and then put a face to it and say you you are the reason it's not nice but it just it just i don't know if we're looking at bad games it actually wasn't the vikings game that was very close that was the second highest with 21 bad players the game with the most bad players this season which is zero to 59 was actually the 49ers game, somewhat surprisingly. Reason being, there were just so many people in the 50s. So, the... Jeez. <laughs> if you look at the defense, week 9, out of 22 players, 7 were 60 or above. Preston, Amos, Savage, Montrevious, Rashawn, Lancaster, Lowry, Henry Black, Kenny Clark, Jonathan Garvin, Jair, Josh Jackson, Chris Barnes, Kadar Holman, Oren Burks. That's just the defense that was, you know, bad. The offense less, but still Yash Nijman, EQ, Lucas Patrick, Jay Sternberger, Derry Shepard, Malik Taylor, John Runyon, and John Lovett. Now, to get to the question that I was actually asked. That's that's the project that I gave myself that I thought was fun and interesting and whatnot. And again, the references are here, so if you want to know, you know, for whatever reason, you know, the most of any one category was week six against the Buccaneers players in the 60s. Whole lot of average in that game. But if we say 70 and above to answer the question, just from good to elite. The best game was against the Houston Texans in Week 7. There were 16 players that were 70 and above. On offense, that includes Rick Wagner, Malik Taylor, Aaron Rodgers, Corey Lindsley, Lucas Patrick, and Devontae Adams. On defense, that includes Billy Wynn, Josh Jackson, Adrian Amos, Dean Lowry, Zadarius Smith, Kingsley Kiki, Jair Alexander, Kenny Clark, Kamal Martin, and Henry Black. If, on the other hand, we're looking for very, very good players, then we're looking at the beginning of the year. In fact, there's been very few since the bye week, which is maybe part of the problem. A lack of real dominant play. For example, since week six after the bye, we've had two, four against the Texans, one, three, three, one. Prior to the bye, five, eight, four, and five. Our lowest game prior to the bye is equal to the highest game after the bye. The Texans, we had four very good players. Against the Saints, we had four very good players. Against the Falcons and the Vikings, we had five very good players. And as I said, against the Detroit Lions, eight very good players. That's just a dominant game. In that game, Chandon Sullivan, Vernon Scott, Josh Jackson, Jair Alexander, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Rodgers, and Corey Lindsley all were 80 or above. And if you're looking for elite, same thing. It's it's never been more than one, with the exception of the Lions game. We had two. That would be Corey Lindsley and Jair Alexander. So hopefully, uh, no-named individual that answers uh, your question. Actually, you know what? I bet that was JJ. 
I think that was JJ. Now that I think about it, because he had a pile. And so that would make sense when it says another podcast question. I bet that's what it was. So JJ, I hope that answers your question. And in fact, as a patron, if you didn't notice, you can see this uh, article that'll lay it, or not article, The uh, I made a post that has this Excel spreadsheet in there. So feel free to check that out. If you want to see it for yourself, you can jump on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Would really, really appreciate that anyways. And occasionally I remember to throw a bone your way and uh, show you some of this stuff. The other interesting little project I did, and I, I don't know why it dawned on me, but I just wanted to find a team that is the most similar to the Green Bay Packers that I possibly could. And I kind of threw a little teaser out for you to try to guess what the team might be. It was a nearly impossible project. I, I the, the issue I had is if I, if I was too specific, it would be too easy. And maybe it wouldn't be that easy. I don't know. I mean, I found it because I came up with the criteria and then I just found it. So I, if I give you the criteria, you just find the criteria. You just figure it out. It would be kind of cool, though, because then it would you'd have to be pretty resourceful to figure it out. Not trying to toot my own horn or anything, but... But anyways, nobody got it. It wasn't even close. And, and when I did the math, I realized there's like 1,500 possibilities in terms of teams over the years. So yeah, it just it wasn't going to happen. But that's all right. So basically what I was looking for when I said similar, uh, first of all, same record at this point in the season. That wasn't what I started with. That was a coincidence, which really made this awesome. But, you know, what I was actually looking at is points against and points for. And I'm not necessarily just looking at the rank in terms of 5th and 42nd or whatever doesn't even make sense but the actual specific points points scored through this many weeks and points scored against in this many weeks i'll be honest i was pretty shocked to see how very similar i think it was a one point difference in each so for example right now the green bay packers um, have allowed 308 points or excuse me have scored 308 points have allowed 258 this team was one point different so they've scored like 307 i guess i'll do the math no i'm not gonna do the math but it is the 2002 New Orleans Saints. The reason why this is uh, disturbing. <laughs> so the, the 2002 New Orleans Saints, it's, it's actually really interesting when I dug into it and I, I learned a lot of things that I didn't realize. The head coach was Jim Haslett. The offensive coordinator was Mike McCarthy. Let's just start there because that kind of blew my mind. In my mind, and I don't know why, in my mind, Mike McCarthy was the offensive coordinator for the 49ers like in the 90s. Because I remember he was the offensive coordinator for the 49ers when they decided to pass on Aaron Rodgers. Turns out he was the offensive coordinator for the Saints for a very long time, went to the 49ers for one year, and then jumped ship and went to the Packers. I, maybe it's just me. That blew my flipping mind. He also was the quarterback's coach for the Packers sometime in the 90s, I think, which is, I, I don't know, maybe I knew that part at some point. I don't know, but that freaked me out. Anyways, the 2002 New Orleans Saints. Again, so we're talking about a team that not only has scored almost the exact same amount of points, they have allowed almost the exact same amount of points at this point in the season. They are a 7-3 and team. They actually won their first three in a row and then lost their first one to the Detroit Lions. So kind of similar. We won four in a row. Then they won another three and then lost and went to 6-2. and two. The Packers also were at 6-2. and two. They were 7-2 and two after beating the Carolina Panthers, just like the Packers were 7-2 and two beating the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then lost to, let's see, who did they lose to? The Atlanta Falcons to fall to 7-3, and three, just like we lost to fall to 7-3. and three. The reason why this isn't super exciting, they ended 9-7. and seven. So it's a team that started off real hot. They lost one game in their first six. They went on to win one of their next four. So they went from 7-3 to 7-4. They beat the Bucks and the Ravens, and they lost their last three, and that was it. They won two of their last four games to fall to 9-7, and seven, and they missed 
the playoffs. This is the most similar team I can find anywhere in NFL history. They are a 7-3 team. They ended the season number 3 overall on offense, number 26 on defense. The Packers right now are currently number 3 overall on offense. The defense isn't quite as bad. We'll see what, it ha- what happens when the season ends. Then you look at it and you say, well, okay, but they probably had a tougher schedule. The next game they played that they lost to fall to 7-4 and four was the Cleveland Browns. You know what the Cleveland Browns record was at that time? 5-5. Five and five. You know what the Bears record is this week? It's 5-5. Five and five. Now the next week, they played the Buccaneers, who are 9-2, and two, very good team, and they won. We're playing the Eagles, who are 3-6, and six, so different situation. They went on to beat the Ravens the week after that, who were 6-6. Six and six. Then they lost to the Minnesota Vikings, who are a 3-10 and 10 team. The Panthers we're playing that week are 4-7. and seven. Currently 4-7. and seven. We'll see what their record is when we see them, but similarly terrible team. And we've got the Titans, which very different. They're a very good team. That'll be like our Buccaneers game, I guess. They played the 1-13 Bengals and lost. The Bengals' second win of the entire... The only second win they had all year. Then they played the 6-9 and nine Carolina Panthers and lost. We will be facing again the 5-5. Five and five. We'll see what they are at the time, Chicago Bears. So they did not have a tough schedule. The only difficult team they faced all the rest of their schedule was the Bucks, and they beat them. And the Ravens were 6-6, six and six and they beat them. Then they lost to the 3-10 and 10 Vikings, the 1-13 Bengals, and the 6-9 and nine Panthers. That was not the information I wanted to find. When I, and I looked, and I'm like, well, maybe they lost their quarterback. Nope, they didn't lose their quarterback. Maybe something happened. I don't know what, but it wasn't that they lost their quarterback. So what we need to do for sure on Sunday is beat the Bears. Have to beat the Bears. We got to break this little curse because this is starting to freak me out a little bit. I don't like it. Way too many similarities. And something about the fact that they're number three overall on offense, which is what the Packers are, and had Mike McCarthy as their offensive coordinator. There's some weird juju going on, man. Not a fan. Now, granted, we have Aaron Rodgers. They had Aaron Brooks. A little bit different. But they also had Deuce McAllister, who is a pro bowler. Joe Horn, who was a pro bowler, Michael Beerman Lewis, who was first team all pro. So I I guess if anything, I just need to stop saying we're almost guaranteed to be in the playoffs because we're not. It's looking that way, assuming things don't really spiral out of control. But let's just say that starts this Sunday. We're going to officially break this curse by beating the Bears. We will not lose to the five and five team. We will overcome the, you know, tough defense curse, the 2002 Saints curse all at the same time on the same day. And then we just keep rolling. But again, it's all in good fun. Um, I've got access to different stats and whatnot that I pay for that I don't use as much as I should. So I thought that would be a good way to kind of dig up some stuff. But anyways, why don't we take a break and then I just want to look at some of the games for today. And we'll call it a day. Again, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. I've got links to some other ways to do so if you don't like Patreon for whatever reason. Please get in the Packing Up Podcast Facebook page or Facebook group and like the page. Also got the Cheese and Packers Facebook page, which, despite the fact that I've been pushing the Packernet page, just for various reasons, the the Cheese and Packers page is kind of blowing up on its own. So I'm happy to see that. I can't do as much with it right now, but uh, go ahead and join that because that's going to end up being the the bigger one at some point. Pack Daddy NFL is the YouTube channel. I don't get on there as much, but Coach Hahn has been really uh, doing a great job of keeping that thing afloat and alive. Um, whenever I can find some time, you know. It's tough with the baby and whatnot, but I got to get going with the draft content because we're getting to that time of the year. Starting in December, I think, is when things really start to kick off with that. So I got to get going. So make sure you subscribe to that. Otherwise, we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So the more interesting of the two games was actually pushed back, so that's no fun. Steelers are mad, and I can tell you right now if the Steelers end up losing, not that it necessarily is because of being pushed back, but... I mean, you know that's going to cause problems. The NFL absolutely wants Baltimore to lose this game and Pittsburgh to win because they don't want to feel like they had something to do with uh, that whole situation. But today at uh, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time... Oh, that's Eastern Time? Oh, come on. I th- I'm going to miss part of this game. thought it was 12... Whatever. It doesn't matter. We've got the Detroit Lions and the Houston Texans. Detroit is, is technically not out of the running. 10-6 and 6 is a playoff team. But, uh, I mean, it's pretty brutal, man. 22nd overall in offense in terms of points, 25th in yards, which is their moneymaker. You know, the offense is its how they get it done, and they're just not getting it done right now. I mean, outside of the, the game against Washington where they put up 30, they scored zero, zero against the Carolina Panthers. Only 20 against the Vikings, who do not have a great defense. Uh, 21 against the Colts, which is forgivable. 23 against the Falcons, who don't have that great of a defense. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they scored 34. That's the only other game, that the two games in which they scored even 30 um, were against Washington and the uh, Jaguar. So the offense isn't doing it, and then the defense is even worse. They're 28th overall in terms of points, 27th in yard. 25th in terms of net yards per attempt passing, 22nd in yards per attempt rushing. So it's just, it's really bad. They've given up more rushing touchdowns than any team in football with 17. Uh, They're also 29th in rushing yards, 27th in rushing touchdowns, so they're not running the ball well. Houston Texans aren't all that much better. They're 22nd on offense, 23rd on defense. so They're pretty similar in that regard. Um, I think the biggest difference really being, I can't can't even really say that. I was going to say they've played somewhat better teams, but the New England Patriots are just not good. They did win 27 to 20. They played the Browns and lost 7 to 10. Beat the Jaguars by two points, 27-25. That's pretty brutal. Bottom line, these are very similar teams, in my opinion. These are two teams that should be doing better on offense than they are, and defenses that just have no chance. This should be like a 50-55 to football game, but I just don't think it will be because neither of these offenses can get going which has to fall down to coaching, right? It's similar to what we look at with the Packers' defense, where the pieces are there. What in the heck are you doing? Now, granted, the Texans' offensive line isn't great, but it hasn't been great in forever. And in fact, they've actually upgraded it quite a bit. 
I mean, just by adding a left tackle. I think he's out, but even now Roderick Johnson, who's in at left tackle, has been pretty solid. But, I mean, you've got Deshaun Watson right now is grading out as the fourth best overall quarterback. In, in a different year, he would be the number one quarterback easily. He's got a 91 overall grade. He's just an absolute freak. Fuller is a great wide receiver. Cooks is a very good wide receiver. Um, Atkins at tight end is solid. There's more than enough weapons to get stuff done, especially against, I mean, this is just not a good defense. Trufant and Coleman and Aruarie. They don't have anybody to rush the passer. They don't have any linebackers. Tavai is just a joke. The the safeties outside of Harmon are no good. They should have no issues moving down the field. Now it's the same on the other side. The Lions actually do have a fairly decent offensive line. Not perfect everywhere. The guards aren't very good, but the two tackles in center are all right. Stafford, I mean, he's struggling. He should be better, but he's not the worst. You still got Marvin Jones. TJ Hawkinson is solid. I mean, everything in me says the Texans are a better team, but it's just it's just a toss-up for me. And as bad of an implosion as it was last week against the Carolina Panthers, I'm just giving the Lions the game because it's at their home stadium. And also because I just don't really care. This is just a pathetic game. Not maybe as bad as the one that's coming up after it, but, I mean, this is just what is good about this game. I mean, the winner doesn't feel good about it. The loser feels terrible about it. So I'm just going to say the better team loses and the better team happens to be the Houston Texans. Washington and Dallas, I just, I mean, what can you even say? I mean, this is this is one of the funnier things I've ever seen. These are two three-win teams, and the winner is in the lead in their division at four and seven, number one in the division. Washington beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Their only other two wins came against the Eagles and the Cowboys. Philadelphia beat the 49ers. The only other two wins came against the Giants and the Cowboys. The Giants have only beat Washington twice and the Eagles. Dallas is the only team to beat two teams outside of their own division, with one win coming against the Giants, one against the Falcons where they won by one point, and then they won most recently against the pathetic Minnesota Vikings when they won by three points. This is the, I mean, it's 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 a division that has the four worst teams in football outside of the Jets. It's like the Jets and the NFC East, that's it. I mean, they're, they're just beating themselves. That's all they can do. So, I mean, I, the, the most obvious way to look at this is that they've played each other before, and the outcome was Washington won 25-3. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Dallas tends to play a little worse in their own division. Maybe it's because some of these other teams are a little bit more familiar with Dallas than they are with the other teams. I don't know. I'm making that up. I, I The more I look at this, the less I care. Dallas has the 32nd ranked defense. They're absolutely useless. But... Washington has the 29th ranked offense. Dallas has the 20th ranked uh, offense against Washington's 9th ranked defense. The only competent thing on this field is Washington's defense. So I don't know if Dallas really gets going at all. And when you look at some of these catastrophic losses, as bad as their defense is, again, they lost to Washington by only scoring three points against the Eagles the very next week. They only scored nine points against Pittsburgh the next week. They scored 19. They did muster 31 against the Vikings, which is awesome. Little blip. By the way, prior to Washington, they scored 10 against the Cardinals. So that was a four-game stretch of 10, 3, 9, and 19. Maybe that little bye week where they came out of it and scored 31 is a revival. But I'm taking Washington. At the end of the day, I mean, who cares? But I'm taking Washington. Anyways, i got to get going. I've got an absolutely throbbing headache. i got to go nurse, um, get packed up and whatnot. You folks have yourselves a fantastic turkey day. If you're not celebrating, find something to do. Watch a little football or whatever. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>